Okay, let's get started with this year's Parshas Kisisa, Parshas Para, Tavshin Ayin Gimel, as we are in the post-Purim world, as we, whether we uh, are ready for it or not, as we are in the process of getting ready for, for Pesach. Okay, but we're not at Pesach yet, in a couple of weeks, Pesach Hashem will have the Haggadah year. Uh, but for now, we have Parshas Kisisa, and hopefully at the end, we will have a thought related to to the uh, Dalat Parshias. Okay, the beginning of Kisisa, as we know, have, has two very large aliyos. We mentioned in the past from the Bali Musar why the first two aliyos are so large, while the last five aliyos are very short, in that the second aliyah talks all about the Maisel HaEgel. That is the centerpiece, so to speak, of Parshas Kisisa. And we don't want to give a Yisrael that aliyah. Kohen or Levi has to get it because they didn't violate it. It's not embarrassing. So that's why we have to fit the entire story of the Egel in the first two aliyos, really in the second aliyah, so that only a Yisrael gets it. But in the first aliyah, we have all different topics. We have the Maxas HaShekel, we have the Kior, we have the Ktores, and at the end of the aliyah, we have, again, Shabbos. <laughs> we have Shabbos, says the Torah, Dabrel B'nei Yisrael, Leymar, Achashav Sosai Tishmoru, Ki Osi It is an Os, Says the Medrash, and Rashi quotes it on Paraklam and Allah Pasik Tezvav. Sheshes Yamimi Asemalacha, six days work shall be done. Uvayoma Shvi'i Shabbat Shabbaton Kodesh Lashem. And on the seventh day, Shabbat Shabbaton. Right? Yom Kippur is not only the only day called Shabbat Shabbaton, Shabbat is called Shabbat Shabbaton. What does Shabbat Shabbaton mean? Rashi quotes, Minuchas Margoa. Velo menuchas arai. Hard to translate. A restful rest and not a temporary rest. Menuchas margoa. Velo menuchas arai. What exactly does that mean? What's the difference between two different types of menucha? One that is margoa, ragua, calm and restful. And arai? What does it mean to menuchas arai? It's, it's menucha. What makes menucha arai? Says Rav Zevin. Tonight we're focusing on the Latora part of it. Maybe we'll get to the Lamoadim another night. Says of Zevin, there are two types of minuchos, of rests, that one can have in life. Shte minuchos hein. Minucha me'ayefut, u'minuchat gemar. Minucha from exhaustion, minucha from I'm tired, and therefore I need a rest, and hopefully... While I rest, I can re-energize in order to continue what I'm doing. I'm going to take a rest inside. And menuchas gemar. Menucha after I finished something. Harishona ba'ala The first type of rest is a rest in order to rejuvenate, reinvigorate myself, get more kochos. I need to rest in order to then continue what I was doing beforehand. So I can continue. If I work hard for a certain amount of time, and I'm very tired, I wouldn't take a rest. I wouldn't be able to continue. I need to rest. I need to rest in order to then continue what I was doing. But then there's the second type of rest. It's not in the middle of the process. It's not so that I get more energy to continue afterwards. 
Hashniya ba'a acharei adam kvar gomer is kabalachto. The second type of rest is a rest that comes after a job has been finished. And I've already achieved my goal, whatever I wanted to achieve. How come as binyan l'mashal, I finished a project, I finished building a building. I finished creating something, I finished a project, so then I rest. Why am I resting then? I'm looking back at a job well done. I see I've accomplished something, and I give myself a little pat on the back. That's a very different type of rest. I'm not looking towards the future by that rest. I'm just focusing on what has been done and all of my work has been completed. Says Rav Zevin, now we understand the Rashi. What does Rashi say elsewhere? When Shabbos comes, we have to feel as if all our work is done. Is finished as hard as it may be. On Friday afternoon, we have to view as if I have nothing more to do. I finished all my projects. I have nothing next week. It's such a Yitzhahara. How many times do we think, especially as it gets Shalashudah's time, I'm thinking, I'm even talking what I have to do and all the th- what I have to take care of. No. Shabbos is about Menucha. Kilo Mukomalachasuya. What does that mean? That's Menucha type 2. That's what Shabbos needs to be. Line 12. The menucha that we have on Shabbos cannot be a menucha that is a rest in between. Why am I resting? So that I can go back to work. No. I have a menucha based on what I have accomplished and I finished. Because after all, we are imitating God. And God's menucha, when God rested, Shabbos vayinafash, that wasn't taking a break in the middle of anything. That was kaviyachol. Vayaros kemaskol asher asav tov ma'od. Everything was finished. And then vayom ha-shvi'i, Shabbos vayinafash. Then he rested and he looked back and saw everything was completed. That's menuchas margoa versus menuchas arai. And he says, even that's what we say Shabbos morning on line 19. There's even a difference between our Shabbos and the day of rest of the other nations. Hashem, the day of rest that you gave us is different than anybody else's day of rest. Why? Because why is there a day of rest in the other religions? Is it an ends in itself? Or is it a means to rejuvenate to then start? If you think about it, and this I mentioned in the past in the name of the Chassam Sofer, it's fascinating that our day of rest is at the end of our week. And the non-Jewish day of rest is at the beginning of their week. Shabbos is the last day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. Makes sense? If I'm resting to work it should be the first day of the week. If I'm working in order to complete and then to rest as the goal, so then it should be at the end of the week. We count down towards our day of rest. That's the goal. That's the ultimate. Menuchas Margoa says the, I'm sorry, I skipped two lines. Line 22. I'm taking a rest. I can go back to work. 
Make more money. Everything is done, everything is completed. A very hard challenge for us. Difficult. Shabbos, everything has to be a different world, a different reality. But that's what Rashi tells us. Menuchas Margoa, Hizu Shal Yom HaShabbos, Velo Menuchas Arai. Menucha Bishol Avon, Menuchas Manit, Arait, that's temporary. No, this Menucha that we need for Shabbos, Menucha Shlema, Shatarotzeva, as we say, Mincha, on Shabbos afternoon. So, that's Shabbos. Now let's get back to a topic that is the major topic of this parsha, and that, of course, is the Cheta Egel. Many have had discussions in the past years, various views of the Rishonim, of the Chet Egel, what type of Avera was it? Was it really Avodah Zarah? Was it not Avodah Zarah, the Ramban? Was it the Erev Rav, who were at the root of it? Rashi, right? all different Shatim, exactly what the Chet was. And all of them focus, and that's what we're going to focus uh, at the first point right now, the role of Aaron Akohi. And if you read the Psukim, you get one impression. If you look at Chazal, you get another impression. What was it? And later on in the Torah, we know Aaron was very defensive and very nervous about his role in the uh, in the Egel. And we know that even when the fire wasn't coming down by the Mishkan, Aaron's like, "It was my fault. It's my fault. It's because of me." He had somewhat of a complex relating to the Egel. So there was something. But what were his kavanas? What exactly did he do wrong? Says, let's read the Psukim. A few of the Psukim. So what happens in Pasuk Aleph? Paraglamid base. Right? This is the heart. This has to go to our hearts. That's how you remember. What parak in the Torah is the Egel? The lave. The lave. The heart. The Am saw that Moshe was late. He wasn't coming. Just Derek Agav. How many Averis, how many sins in the Torah, and how many sins in our life come from lack of patience? So much. Shaul HaMelech. And as well here, B'nai Yisrael. Just a lack of patience. If we would just be a little more patient, then history would be different in our own lives and in the life of our, of our nation. So Moshe was late. So what do they do? They come to Aaron and Cohen. Right? He was second in command. Right? The king's not there. Moshe's not there. So they come to Aaron. Please get up. Make for us a God. That brought us up from Mitzrayim. Again, if you read in between the lines, there's already some type of kfir in this Pasuk. Moshe Rabbeinu brought them out of Mitzrayim. But it wasn't God, it was Moshe. Or unless you say it's innocuous. It just means Moshe brought us, obviously, with Hashem's help. But depending on the Rishon... You know, you could fit it in. There's so much ambiguity in all of the psukim, it leaves room for so much interpretation. Okay, so we're going to focus on one or two points tonight. So Moshe, where is Moshe? What would we expect Aaron to do? What should be Aaron's reaction? Aaron, where is Moshe? Please build us a god. We would expect the next psukim to be, Aaron says to them, calm down. Wait a minute. Moshe's coming. He's just a little late. Right? But please, have a little savlana, have a little patience. Remember Moshe. But he doesn't say that. Chazal already add in certain events that aren't in the text because they're bothered by this question. 
Why does Aaron play along with it in the next sentence? Chazal tell us, based on a pasuk later on, that Chur, his nephew, was just murdered because he tried to stop what was occurring. And Aaron sees this and he says, they're going to do the same thing to me. And how is that that going to help the situation? So Aaron says to himself, I have to have another plan. That's why Chazal say that they saw Chur. He saw Chur. But what does Aaron say? Vayomer leyem Aaron, parku nizmei hazahav asher ba'zein neshechem. Take off all the gold. He said, men, take off your wives' gold. B'neichem uvunosei bring me the gold. Since when is a Jew ready to part with his jewelry and his, you know, quickly with our, with our assets? We've got to think about it a little bit. We just remember a few weeks ago, wasn't so long ago, that they couldn't leave the Yamsuf because of all the, all the gold and the silver that was washing up, we discussed. And yet, Aaron Cohen here says, please remove it. And what do they do without batting an eyelash? They took it off. Vayisparku. They removed it quickly. And they brought it to Aaron. So, what exactly, and Aaron comes up later in the story as well, but what exactly was Aaron's kavana? Two points we're going to have. One from the Rishonim and one from the Achronim. First from the Rishonim, a source that we don't really focus on as much as we should. The Das Zakenim in Bali Atosos, a compilation of early sources, right? Bali Atosos, not one person, but the Bali Atosos is in the old Mikros Gadolos, not in the Numa Ors, some of them have it, but in the old Mikros Gadolos. Says the Das Zakenim, Parku, third line, and we'll see what the message is of this. Aaron Lashem Shamayim Niskaveh. Aaron was Lashem Shamayim. Says the Dasakanim. This is Aaron a Kohen. Aaron who was a Navi even before Moshe was a Navi. This was Aaron who was so happy when his brother came back. Aaron was at Sadiq Gomor. What was he doing here? Lashem Shamayim. This is what he said to himself. Omar. Im Omer Lahem Kalev Onachshonia Rosh Alechem. Aaron says, well, I have a couple of choices. I could make another leader. I could do that. I know Moshe's coming back soon. But what should I do in the interim? I can make another leader. I can appoint Kalev or Nachshon. Im Yam Alehem. But the problem is, what's going to happen when Moshe comes back? Kishayava Moshe im Yoridu Migdulaso. If then Moshe comes back and they're going to be removed, Tarbek and there's going to be a fight. It's going to be terrible. Even Korach, who never was in the position, and even if I put Sadiqim like Nachshon or Kalev, but still, people will go and follow them. And when Moshe comes back, Aaron is worried. There's going to be a problem. What's the other choice? And if I say, no, nobody, let's wait. No. They're going to do this anyway. And then there's going to be fighting anyway. If there's no leader, right? what does it say in Blao. If there's no government, if there's no leader, then anarchy. And what's the other choice? And if Aaron says, okay, I'll take over, which probably they were, might have been expecting. When Moshe comes back, he's not going to want to remove me. 
By Kalev and Nachshon, he'll come back. He's from the older generation. And then they're going to be upset. But if he comes back and I'm a leader, do you think Moshe Hanam Mikaladam is going to do anything to me? And I'm not supposed to be the leader, says Aaron. I don't want to put Moshe in that position. And I don't want to be in that position. Asikim Bedvarim Aaron says, I'm just going to try to delay them. Get them involved in something. And hopefully in the interim, Moshe is going to come back. I'm just going to play around with them. So he said, okay, give me your jewelry. He thought it would take time. He didn't have any specific plan. But they went even quicker than he suspected. And they, and they started. So the Dasakadim has a whole new idea. What was Aaron's kavana? Aaron says, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to appoint the leader? Nobody, anarchy. Somebody else, they'll be fighting when Moshe comes back. Me, Moshe's not going to want to remove me. So I, I, I'm going to try to just delay them. Says the Dasakadim, the Dalakavskhus elements that we have to have from about Aaron Akoin. Right? Aaron Akoin, and he still was nervous that he didn't make the right decision later on. But this was his kavana. Says the Dasakadimi Baliatosis. Number one. And then we have another idea. A second idea from Rubin Sion Firur, the Hegyona Shel Torah. He has a couple of uh, sets of Svarim. This one is from the Hegyona Shel Torah. And he quotes the Medrash that Rashi quotes also. We'll read it from his words. The Gemara tells us. Source number, line number four. As we know, what did the Psukim say? Let's go back to the Psukim for a minute. They took all the jewelry, and what they do? They threw it into fire. And they made an Egel. So first they said Moshe was the God, and now they said the Egel was the God. Okay? Says Rashi. And he quotes it on line four. Once they threw it in to the fire, Rashi always goes to Erev Rav as much as he can. But the Erev Rav all of a sudden took the shame that, that, they, that came up from Mitzrayim with them, and they started doing magic. The Yesh Omrim and others say, Micha Hayasham. Micha was there from Pesel Micha at the end of Sefer Shoftim. Sheyatza mitok demuse binyan. Shenisbayach bo Mitzrayim. He was a baby, one of the babies that Moshe Rabbeinu took out of the bricks. Chazal say. Vahayu biyado shame. Vitasha kasa bo Moshe. And he had in his hands, he had a shame of Hashem that Moshe Rabbeinu had recorded and written on a plaque. And Moshe Rabbeinu had thrown it into the Nile in order to raise up the coffin of Yosef when it was time to go. Micha jumped in afterwards and got it. And he had it with him, waiting for the right time to use it. Alei shor, alei shor. Moshe used it to say, oh, oh, ra- go up, sure. Mo- y- Yosef is bechar shor, hadalo. Lahalos haradosha Yosef, mitog nilus. Micha took it. He's like, ah, oh, no better time to use this. He threw it into the fire. The Yatsaha Egel. And the Egel came out. Notes the Hagyona Shaltar. First of all, the uh, next question is Aaron Akoin's Kavana. He's going to answer that question too. What exactly was Aaron Akoin's role? 
But the other question he asks is, it's pretty amazing. The same Shem Hashem that goes into water and brings up Yosef at Tzadik's Aaron is the same one that's thrown into fire and creates an Egel? The same, same Shem Hashem doing something unbelievably proper and righteous and helping them bury Yosef at Tzadik and Eretz, and Eretz Canaan and the Egel Azov? Tumuim Lachor Advarim, line 11. Al Yedei Shem Beforash, who called those how is it? Says the Hegyona Shal Torah. Are you so gadol? You so gadol. Elalomar Misha Omer Aover. Says the Rebetzian Fuhrer. Misha Omer Alatzav lo sasun kem l'ashem alokechem. As hara l'mochik as Hashem. V'humash l'tash akaz l'ashem al-mafuris l'tocha eish. Yotza misa ego masecha. Says the Hegyona Shal Torah. There is no theological vacuum in life. There can't, can't be empty theological space on our emuna spectrum. If we reject Anochi Hashem Elokecha, something else is going to fill that in. And look how he says it so beautifully. Towards the bottom. Mishekofer bekdushas Hashem HaMeforash Yotzer Ega Masecha. It's one or the other. If somebody denies the tahar, kochos, of Shem Hashem, it automatically goes over to the dark side. Why? Lomar ein kfira ba'olam. Sometimes we say somebody's a kofar. There's no, but, there's no kofar in the world. There's no such thing as a, as a total kofar. Why? Everybody's a maimin. It's just what are you maimin in? But there's nobody who doesn't believe in anything. Kol adam hu ma'amin. Every person in life is a ma'amin. Ella she'echad ma'amin emuna shal emes. Fa'asheni ma'amin emuna shal seker. What do we believe in? We believe in something. It's, it can't be a vacuum. Mi she'eno ma'amin be'elokim chayim. One can believe in God. If somebody doesn't believe in Hashem, it's not that they don't believe. They believe in something else. They believe in nature. They believe in the lawless, coincidental way of, of the world. They believe in something. There's, there's not, there's, it's never a vacuum. Ma'amin b'teva ha'omeid kaviyacha b'rshos atzmo. O mefakecha yisibusa v'chuki yuso. Next column. Mishainu ma'amin be'elokim. Ma'amin ba'adam. If you don't believe in God, then you believe in man. Or you believe in something. You might believe in the, uh, the, the goodness of man naturally, in the negative nature of man naturally, whatever it is. Somebody might believe in conscience. Right? What do I believe in? How does something make me feel? That's my amuna. If something doesn't make me feel good, then I don't do it. If it makes me feel good, then I do it. So I'm mamin in something too. I'm mamin in conscience. Line four. Mamin b'matzpun ha'mischayev mitochatzmo b'libi go akolshim minachutz. No, there's no external force that is forcing something upon me. It's all what I feel. Mishaino mamin b'shadam b'tur nivra who b'bechinas v'tachasrei aman me'elokim. If somebody does not believe that man is has tremendous kochos, he believes that man 
has very limited kochos and totally everything in the world is out of his control. So there is never emptiness. Next paragraph. Just like in the physical world, there is no emptiness, air, whatever it is, something fills the space, so too in the metaphysical realm. In the physical realm, something's always there. In the metaphysical realm, in the theological realm, something is always there. Kfira bakol ena kayemes. Yeshrak emuna be'emes. The emuna b'sheker, right? There's emuna. Nobody's a kofer. They just happen to believe in. And if somebody says they're a kofer, they're not. They just believe in something else. They're choosing to believe in something else. But there's 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 bechira chavshes, and we each are we each are governed by it. That's step one. There's no kofer in the world. There's emuna in something. Step two now says the Hagiona Shel Torah. Eish umayim, line 14. Ha'amurim kan. We're talking about fire and water. They're not just mishalim. Eina mashal bilvat elagam semel. Fire and water signify something much deeper than we think it does. Ha'amuna bi'ikar, belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, can be symbolized by water. Why? Because what was at the beginning of the world? V'ruach elokim merachefes apnei Mayim, water. HaKadosh Baruch Hu split the waters. Water reminds us, right? Tcheles. What does Tcheles do? Domen liyam. And the yam brings us up to the Kisi HaKavid. Water is connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. V'ilu. And what about fire? What's the greatest ball of fire in the entire universe? It's the greatest source of Avodah Zarah that there ever was. The sun. Water connecting us to fire the opposite. What happened when the Shem Hashem was thrown into water? Amazing events happened. The Aronoshel Yosef was brought up, and the Shem Hashem, what does water symbolize? Symbolizing Emuna, symbolizing Kohosatara. Shem Hashem along with that, that's his amazing things for Kalal Yisrael. Shem Hashem into fire. That's the opposite. That's an Egel Masecha. That's connected to the sun, connected to Avodah Zarah. Sogedu lomada anemam He says, everything is Yisrael age. He says, all modernity, much of modernity has to do with fire. I think it was fire, fire with uh, electricity, v'chulu. That's step two. Fire and water and their symbolic natures. And we've already answered one of the two questions we started off with. That's why a, a shame Hashem thrown into water and thrown into fire to opposite to have opposite results. But then he says, So what was what about Aaron? What did Aaron do here? Again, we have the Dasakadim, now we have the Gyonashal Torah. He sees that they're getting a little out of control. He sees Moshe's late, he tries to delay them. Line five. What were Klal Yisrael in such a rush for? So, such a rush. Right? Oh, Moshe's late. Right, they all had to watch. Moshe's late, he's not back yet. What are we going to do? They start screaming, we have to do something, we have to do something. Why were they in such a rush? Suggests that Yonah Torah, Aaron Akoin didn't even realize why they were in such a rush. And that's why he thought 
that he could delay them a little bit. He didn't realize this idea that there's no vacuum in Emuna. And if Moshe Rabbeinu is not here as the Shliach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's got to be something right now that's going to fill the void. Aaron thought he had some time. Give it a couple hours. He didn't realize this, this element of human nature that we have to believe in something all the time. And if Moshe, the Shliach HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is not here, we need a new Shliach. That's what he says was the problem. Line 8. From the moment that they lost their imun, even one day And that's why in the last paragraph, Aaron says he thinks he could delay it. It could be slow. Towards the end, the last four lines. That they can wait a little bit. No, it had to be quick. He doesn't quote it, but maybe that also is the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us out, Bechi They acted Bechi here. But one could suggest that not only because what Chazal say, we were on the 49th level of Toma, and if we would have stayed an extra second, we would never have gone out of Mitzrayim. But another idea as B'nai Yisrael are removing themselves from being Avde Paro, if Hashem doesn't quickly fill it with Avde Hashem and get them on their way to Harsinai, then who knows what could be in the interim. That's Chipazon, that's Aaron Akoen, and there's no Kofar in the world today, or ever in history. That's that Yonah Shaltor. Okay, so we spoke about water and fire, we spoke about the Dasakanim, and we spoke about the Yonah Shaltorah, Two ideas behind Aaron Cohen's actions. And now we continue. The Egel is done. Kodesh Baruch tells Moshe Rabbeinu, your nation has sinned. Raid, go down. Moshe comes down and sees them dancing around the Egel. And he breaks the Luchos, which we have spoken about in the past. If you look in Perak Lamed Beis, Pasuk Yud Aleph and Yud Beis. Before Moshe Rabbeinu goes down, Hashem tells him, I need to destroy the nation. What does Moshe do immediately? He davids for them. He doesn't leave God's presence until he achieves forgiveness. At least temporarily. And then he'll go down and take care of business. And this, of course, is the lady for a fast day. Moshe davins. Why are you so angry? That you took out of Egypt with a great Strength and a strong hand. Why is Moshe saying this right now? Who cares how... Hashem knows how he took B'nai Yisrael out. Why are, you, why are you getting angry at this nation that you took out This could also be a Haggadavart. Because we talk about Yad Chazaka. Why should the Mitzrayim say, if, they, if you destroy them, you know what they're, you know they're going to write about in the papers? You know what they're going to say if B'nai Yisrael all die right here? Their God took them out. He wasn't strong enough to fight all the other gods. He took them out and now he killed them all in the desert. And to destroy them. Shuv Hashem, please return. Accept their tshuva. There's a lot of arguments here. 
what exactly is Mo, what point is Moshe focusing on, or which number of points, just to focus to give us an, a little more insight into every fast day. But also Moshe Rabbeinu here has four psukim. There are four psukim. We read two of them. Let's continue reading. Remember Avraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. You said that you will make great their seed. And Eretz Yisrael, this land. Four psukim. That's it. Hashem changes his mind. Hashem says, okay. Moshe's like, okay, I'll be back. And he goes down and then takes care of business and... And uh, kills who has to be killed, comes back up for the next set of 40 days, for the next set of 40 days. But either way, what is it about these four psukim? Says the Nitziv, in the Hamak Davar, Moshe Rabbeinu is making five points. Five points. And it's fascinating, not for now, but maybe it's for homework, if I could give homework. Feel free. If you look in Shlach, after the Meraglim, Moshe Rabbeinu also davens. Some arguments are repeated there as compared to Kisisa, and some are not. Why? Out of these five points, interesting to look at what's repeated and what's not repeated. But what are what is here? Four psukim says the Nitziv in source number five, five points. And if we just analyze it a little bit, we can pick up on those five points. Why are you getting angry at them? What's the first phrase? Asherot say some Eretz Mitzrayim, Bikalach Gadol. Kalach Gadol, that's point number one. What does that mean? Hashem, you want to destroy them and make a new nation out of me? So what would have been the entire purpose of everything up until now? All the Makis, Kriyas Yamsuf, all these supernatural events, you're going to kill them? So what was the purpose of all the miracles? What? Who's going to talk about it? See for what? Says that it's where it's underlined on line 6. What do we say in Nuvalitzion? So much amelus and work for naught. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all those Nisim would have been for nothing because the later generations will not exist. So you brought them out with such co-ops. How could you destroy them? Point number one. All the great miracles. Next phrase. Yad Chazaka. What's Yad Chazaka with a strong hand? Says the Nitziv on line 10. Kamosha Kasafti. Like I wrote earlier, Barkarcha Chotzeisa Osam. Did you give them a choice to come out of Mitzrayim or not? You didn't really give them a choice. Those, those who didn't want to come out were killed. Right? During Choshech. And then the rest of them were coming out. But you didn't really give them a choice. That's Yad Chazaka. A strong hand. You took them out. It's similar to the Gemara that's much discussed Purim time. Right? What does the Gemara say in Shabbos? Mikan Modal Rabba We, until the Purim story, we had somewhat of, somewhat of an excuse. Because Hashem held the mountain over our head. It was kind of forced upon us. So until we accepted it willingly, we always could say, it wasn't our fault, you forced it. So says the Nitziv, that's, that's point number two. Hashem, what's with all the Nisan? They were pointless. Number two, Hashem, you forced them out. Yad Chazak, you didn't give them a choice. Number three, let's continue reading the Psukim. This one's explicit. Lama Yom Ruhag Mitzrayim Leimar. Chil Hashem, what are the nations going to say? 
What are the nations going to say? That one is explicit. Point number three. So Shumech Aron and then he adds on two more. He adds on two more. Interesting, in the middle of these four psukim, after the first three points, he already says, Hashem, please forgive them. And then he adds on the two more points. He doesn't say, Shumech Aron Pecha at the end of the five. Interesting why he says that in the middle. Shumech Aron Pecha, As if to say, if these three points aren't enough, I have two more. What are the next two points? Zuchar la Abraham li Yisrael li Yisrael avadecha. Remember the avos that you swore to them. Arbez arachem kachofei hashemayim. Remember your promise to the avos. Remember, it's not me. You can't make a great nation from me with the multitudes that you promised to them. No, you have to make them multiply. Right, that's the quotes on line 12. The shvua that he took, the riboy, the kochav and the stars. No, before, but as far as you can't do that, you promised the avos about the riboy of the children. Finally, point number five, you promised that every Jew, every one of the children of the avos are going to have a chalik in Eretz Yisrael. And that exists, says the Nitziv, and that must always exist. Look at this beautiful Lasha. And even at a time, says the Nitziv, when B'nai Yisrael might go into Galus and not be in Eretz Yisrael. It is theirs. Says the Nitziv, unbelievable. Throughout history, a Jew's eyes is always back to Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Yaakov Emden writes in one place. It's unbelievable if you think about it, any other country, any other people throughout history, do they ever yearn to go back to their homelands? Do they ever yearn? If a Roman leaves Rome and goes to live on the other side of the world, are his great-great-grandchildren going to have this yearning to come back to Rome and daven three times a day about coming back to their homeland? It's unbelievable. This, this innate connection that every Jew has to Eretz Yisrael. And Hashem promised Yaakov this in gracious, in Cain. It's part of the makeup of the world that every Jew is connected to Eretz Yisrael. Hashem, you can't, you can't break that. You already put that into the Teva. Only going to do it for me? No. It's got to come from everybody. Says the Nitziv, five points, and Hashem... Interestingly, if you think about how we just laid it out, three points, Moshe says, Hashem does not accept forgiveness. Hashem, Vizera Hashem Eretz Yisrael. Okay, I forgive them. As if that does it. The Jews' connection to Eretz Yisrael. That's the final straw. Hashem says, okay, fine, you're right. So we're just reading the Psukim. We're just getting Pashup Shat in the, in the Chumash. But that's the Nitziv. The Nitziv tells us the five-point plan that Moshe Rabbeinu had in order to achieve forgiveness for Klal Yisrael. Okay, moving right along. So right after this, what happens? Vayithen, Pasek Tezvav, 
Let's keep reading. Again, this is, this is just an example of if we would read the psukim slowly and carefully, then we would get so much more out of it. Usually we're just rushing through, even when we're Mount Sedra. We just do the Rashi's quickly. But we have to focus. Vayiven. Vayerin Moshe Menahar. So what happened? Moshe got forgiveness. He turns. He goes down the mountain. Vayerin Moshe Menahar. Ushnei luchos ha'edus biyado. And he has the two luchos. Luchos ksuvim ishnei Abraham. Mizeu mizeu ksuvim. Luchos that can be read from both sides. Via luchos ma'asei elokim hema. And these luchos were the handiwork of God. These were unbelievable objects. These luchos. And Moshe Rabbeinu then goes, goes down and breaks them. Ask the Shemanatov. I thought I mentioned this in the past, but I didn't, at least I didn't see it in my notes from this parsha. Ask the Shemanatov, Rabbi, Rabbi Weinberger, in, his, in volume two of his, uh, of his set, we have the luchos earlier in the Torah. Earlier in the Parsha, the Luchos are mentioned. And yet, the beautiful description of the Luchos are only mentioned here. Only at the end of the Luchos existence do we have a description of them. Even though earlier, we already have, we already have Luchos. We already have them described. Looking all the way back. If you look all the way back in the Pasuk Yurches, the last Pasuk in Perak Lamed Aleph. Fayitein al Moshe kechalosolo daveri tovar Sinai. Hashem gave to Moshe the luchos. Ksubim ve'etzva elokim. Okay, one phrase. But the lengthy two and a half Pasuk description is only here. Why isn't this listed earlier? The first time we meet the luchos, the end of Perak Lamed Aleph, we should have these tzukim. You can read it from both sides. Ma'asei lokim. Right. Uh, you should have this description then. Why is this delayed? Says the Shem Atov, two points, two answers. Number one, he says, you might say, maybe the emphasis of describing the beauty of the luchos right before they were broken is to emphasize that once Moshe Rabbeinu realized this is what needed to be done, even though they were so beautiful and gorgeous and amazing, he didn't hesitate. This is what needs to be done. I need to break the luchos. We discussed in the past the, the, the unbelievable meat of MS of Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't know there would be another, another luchos. He had no idea. This was his baby. This is what he worked for his entire life. He was ready to throw it away because he saw that Esau could not exist with these, with these luchos. Says the Shem Atov. So maybe that's what the emphasis of the Pasuk is. They were so beautiful and he didn't hesitate. Deratala hadgish on line five. Delomrot gavlus haluchos. Kimas elokim ema. Lohises Moshe milashavram. Kisharash eneruya makapal. Okay, number one. But then he quotes a second idea. Second idea. Vulaye Shlomar. Somebody emailed me this week. Is there going to be anything to be used for a simcha this week? So every week it can be something used for a simcha. But this right here is something that could, that could be related. Vulaye Shlomar on line 11. You know why Moshe Rabbeinu, I know why the Torah only describes it at the end? Right before they're broken? Because how often do we only appreciate something as we're losing it? How often? It's human nature that we don't capitalize and we don't appreciate generally. We don't appreciate when we have something. right? Only when it's lost. Only when it's not there. Then we're like, oh, wow. 
When we're about to lose something, I have plenty of time. When I have something, I don't stop enjoying it. But when it's about to leave, all of a sudden, I recognize it. The luchos are about to be broken. The Torah describes its beauty. To reflect to us this, this side of human nature. And he says, maybe this is even the idea that we all try to give ourselves every Shabbos. The Gemara says in the beginning of the second paragraph, Mesechah's Beitzah, he quotes it on line 17, where is the source in the Torah for Neshama Yisera? The extra Neshama that we get on Shabbos. Where is the source for that? It's based on a Pasuk in this week's Parsha. The end of Shamru. Shavas Vayinafash. Vayinafash can also be read Vay of the Nefesh. Woe is me that I lost this extra Nefesh. Meaning at the end of Shabbos, we lose our Neshama Yaseira, Vay of the Nefesh. That's the source of Neshama Yaseira. Ask the Shemanatov, quoting the Baal Shem Tov. Why do we say that then on Friday night? We're already talking about the loss of the Neshama Yisera. On Friday night, Vayov the Nafesh, Vayinafash, says the Baal Shem Tov. Because how often do we not appreciate it until then? We want to try to appreciate it while we still have Shabbos. Shabbos just started. Let's realize we have a Neshama Yisera that's going to leave in 25 hours. Let's realize and capitalize on this special 25-hour opportunity. Which if you remember... We discussed last year, Parshas Vayigash. Parshas Vayigash, we discussed why we say Tzayscham L'Shalom to the Malachim when they come in. Remember, Rabbi Avram Shor said that we, Shabbos is so intense between us and Baruch Hu, even the angels have to leave. It's just between us and Hashem. That's what Shabbos is, and we want to appreciate it. Not, not wait till Shal Shudas, because Shal Shudas is always special. Why? Because we know it's leaving we know it's leaving then, but we want to try to appreciate it even earlier. It's just human nature many times that we don't appreciate it. And that's what Rabbi Friend discusses on the next page. He says, how many times do we not appreciate a loved one until they get much older, until it's towards the end? And he says, on the left side now, how about when children are growing up? What do parents feel? The craziness in the house, the left side, Rabbi Fran says, in only how he can. The same applies to raising children. When our children are young and living with us, we have a hard time paying attention to the transience of their existence in our homes. Little children are difficult to handle. They wake us up in the middle of the night. They destroy the order and peace in our homes. Teenagers can also be a major cause of sleeplessness and stormy times, not to mention issues like driver's license, Vahulu. We are so caught up in the difficulty of raising our children that we often fail to realize how lucky we are to be spending time with them. Years later, says Rabbi Franz, when our nests empty out, we suddenly look back and wish we could hear the laughter of a two-year-old until we have to wait for the grandchildren. The sound of the little bare feet tapping on the floor. And yes, even the sound of toys being poured out in a room that we just cleaned. 
believe it or not, we might even miss the cacophonous sound of what they consider music and clothes strewn everywhere. Censor, my friends, we have to appreciate what we have when we have it. And there are unique people that could appreciate this. If you have to relate this to a simcha, right? There are people that appreciate the present. We have to always try to do our best to appreciate the brachas that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us. Appreciate the luchos when we have them and not right before they're broken. To appreciate Shabbos on Friday night when we say Bishamru and not just wait until the very end and then realize our Neshama Yisera as it ebbs away from us. And he talks obviously about parents in the continuation. By reserving the description of the luchos, he bases it on the Shem and Atov, says we have to realize the unique quality, and remember and realize the brachas that we have and thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu every day, trying to see through the difficulties and the challenges of Chinuch or any situation that might come up and thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the brachas that He gives us. Okay, we continue. Okay, let's try to fit in two more quick points on the Parsha and then one on on the Dalid Parshius. Says the Pasik. Paraglama Gimel now. Pasik Yud Aleph. Lama Gimel Yud Aleph. Lama Gimel Yud Aleph. All the way at the end. Vidibra Hashem, when they came down, Moshe Rabbeinu comes down finally. The end of the story. They saw the Amud Ha'anan. Vidibra Hashem, Moshe Panim El Panim, Kashi Dabra Ishal Re'ehu. Hashem spoke to Moshe face to face for Shabbat Lamachaneh, Umisharso, Yoshua Binun Naar, Lo Yamish Bitocha Ohel. And Yoshua Binun the Naar did not leave the tent. Moshe Rabbeinu put his tent outside, Yoshua stayed there. Rabbi Saul Salanter, I think we might have mentioned this in the past already, this question. Why is he called a Naar here? How old was Yoshua Binun? Yoshua Binun was 110 when he died. He, 14 years, he was in about, let's say, in Eretz Israel. The seven years of conquest and the seven years of splitting up. So that takes us back till 96. Then you have 40 years in the desert. So 56. He was in his 50s at the time. That's a Na'ar? He's called a Na'ar, even though he's in his 50s. What exactly is the message? Says the Yam Simcha. All the answers to this question are similar. That he had a Hashkafa of a Na'ar. But let's see this one in the words of Rav Shimon Shkaf, the Shar Yosher, which is quoted here in the Yam Sevcha. We quoted a different part of this Rav Shimon Shkaf a number of years ago on the Parsha, but now this is a separate statement. Rav Shimon Shkaf notes the Yesh Lomar. Let's start with the line 9. The Kan Migalalanu Atorah Kadosha HaYisod Shal Gavlus Yoshua Shlomash Mitocha Oel Moshe This one word tells us the secret of Yeshua Ben Nun. And why he was zochet to everything he was zochet to. Because if you look at the Akdama to the Shar Yosher, Rav Shimon Shkaf tells us, based on a Gemara in Baba Kama. Gemara in Baba Kama, Rav Chizda asks something from his Rebbe. He asks something from his Rebbe, and his Rebbe does not give him an answer. He says, L'chita shameshli. When you service me. And he does some type of service. He brings him a scarf, he brings him a towel, and then he gives him an answer to a question. What, what was that? That give and take. What was that shaklavataria between the, the, the Rebbe and the Talmud? The Talmud says, can you please give me an answer? The Rebbe says, when you service me. When you perform a shemush to me. What does that mean? 
Says Rav Shimon Shkup, line 17, Shebedavar shetzarach iyun v'yegiya, talui ikar hadavar, im ha-mislamid ma'amin b'malas ha-malamdo, when a Talmud is at a Rebbe's feet, and a Rebbe says something, does the Talmud really want to know what the Rebbe says? Or does the Talmud just want to be Yotze, but the Talmud kind of feels independent? And yeah, I'll try to understand it, but if I don't understand it, it's okay. Says the Shah Yosher, says of Shimon Shkup, Im lo yavin barishona, I'm on line 18, yitva hachisaren ba'atzmo. If a Talmud doesn't understand something, are they going to say, oh, the Rebbe's not saying something Clear, or is he going to say, I need to work harder to understand this? How does the student hold himself? Does he hold himself as an independent person, separate from the Rebbe? He'll try to understand the Rebbe, but if not, it's okay. Or he feels that if he doesn't understand the Rebbe, the Chisarin is in himself, and he'll do whatever he can to understand. A true Talmud is someone who is always trying to understand, who is always holding himself kafuf to his rebellion, to the ones who know more. And he will always apply himself even if he doesn't understand it. And the more hachna'a, the more that a Talmud holds himself below the Rebbe, the greater the Talmud will become in the end. That's what the Gemara meant. When the Rebbe says to the Talmud, be me, he wanted to see whether he was that Talmud that was machnia himself, that lowered himself. And that was Yoshua. He was always the Na'ar. No matter how old he was to Moshe Rabbeinu, he was a Na'ar outside his tent. Because Moshe was the Rav. And Yoshua followed in his footsteps. That was the Gabus of Yoshua bin Nun. And that's the Gemara of Shimusha Yosemilimuda, as the Gemara says at the beginning of Brachas, and that's why he even says by the Akeda in the second column. What is HaKadosh Baruch Hu say, or the Malach Hashem? Al Tishlach Yadcha El Ha Na'ar. The same word used. He was 37. Right? Also not a young man. But Yitzchak was kafif to his father. My father tells me to do something? That's the Na'ar attitude. And just to add on one more additional point, isn't it interesting that our great leaders are called, and what do we wish our Talmidim and our children to be? Talmidei Chachamim. Not Chachamim. Talmidei Chachamim. That's the goal of life. Not to be a Chacham, but to always be a Talmid Chacham. That's, that's this Hashkafa. To always be the Na'ar. Okay, one final point. And then we will, you know what? Let's just, um, okay, we'll do it quickly. Paraglam Adalad Pasuk Tezvah, all the way at the end of the Parsha now. Towards the end of the Parsha. Lamadalad Tezvah, we have a separate iser. Says the Torah, you're not allowed to create treaties with the other nations. Pentechros, Bristol, Yosheva, Aretz, Lamadalad Tezvah, Vizanu, Acharei, Elohehem, because if you create treaties with them, you will follow their gods. Vizavchu, Elohehem, you will sacrifice to their gods. And they will call you and you will eat from their zevach, from their, from their karban. Rashi says, how do you, the whole Pasuk is talking about Avodah Zara and Karbanos, and you'll come eat from their zevach. Says Rashi, You might think there's no Onesh 
in just eating, this is on a Daraisa level even, forget Bishal Akum. On a Daraisa level, if an Ubed Arazar prepares a meal with all kosher ingredients, you might think that it's not so bad. I will consider it as if you're Moda and the Avoda. You have one step in the door. You're eating with an Ovid Avodazara. That's one step in the door of the Avodazara, says Rashi. Shemitoch kach, because through eating with them, it's going to lead to intermarriage. It's going to lead to terrible things. Just by eating with them, invite, they invite you for a meal. Just by eating with them, that could have terrible ramifications. Says Rav Sternbach, Mida Tova Yosar Mida If that applies in the negative, imagine what it could apply in the positive. There are so many opportunities for Kiruv in our day and age. Just inviting somebody for a meal. We think, okay, what's a meal? What's one Friday night? What's one little thing? Long little action. They're just going to eat. How much is that going to accomplish? If the Torah says, just eating in the base of Anazara is, is one step in the door that way. Imagine the other way. So much greater, Tova, inviting somebody, being Makari Vrachokim. What an amazing impact that we can have just by doing the first step. And he talks more about that, but feel free to look in the continuation. I wanted, though, to get and finish off with the Reb Moshe that I didn't get to mention last week. So it's back in your packet this week. Reb Moshe discusses, again, it's, it's part of a long drush. At the end of the drush Moshe, the first time of the drush Moshe, there are long drushes. So in the 26th drush, drusha Chavav, drusha Yudke Vavke, in that drusha, he talks about the Dalat Parshios. And we know Chazal give a separate reason for each of the four Parshios. Each of the one, Shkalim is before Adar, because of the Shkalim, and Zachar is before Purim, and Parah is before Chodesh, because you have to get pure, and Chodesh is before Nisa. But says Rav Moshe, and I gave you part of it, not all of it, it's very long, I gave you part of it in source 10, 11, and 12, but we're just going to focus more on outside, and feel free to read the parts. Says Rav Moshe, it's really a progression. It's a process. Because says Rav Moshe, unlike Many other beings in life, human beings are, cons- are, are created imperfect. Human beings are created at the beginning of a journey. And we have to use our entire lifetime to accomplish, to fulfill our potential, to, wo- to do what we can to have a successful journey. And there are many people out there, says Rav Moshe, that think that the way that you su- could succeed on this journey is by amassing wealth. Again, I'm not going to read it inside to save time. But that's one. And there are others that think that the way that you could succeed and perfect oneself is by being a gibor. Being someone who is strong, whether strong physically, strong in all different ways. A gibor, gvura. And there are others, says Rav Moshe, that think that the way that one could achieve perfection is by studying and becoming the wisest man in the entire history of the world. And that will achieve perfection in all sciences. Says Rav Moshe. And we think, there are those that think that this is an end in itself. What did Yermio Anavi say in Paraktes? This is in Source 11. Al Yishalo Chacham Bechachmas Ovalo Gibar Bigvurras Ovalo Ashir Ba'ashro. Those aren't ends itself. 
any type of osher, of gvura, of chachma, all need to be used in service of HaKadosh Baruch. And that's what we need to learn as we approach Chodesh Nisan. So first we have Parsha Shkalim. You know what you use money for? Machsas HaShekel. And everybody's equal. Everybody's a machsis. Shkalim teach us the proper perspective on Osher. And then we have Parsha Zachar, where we remember the great, and the great, not just the, um, uh, the original nation of Amalek, the Giborim, but throughout history, all of the Amaleks that tried to destroy us, the Giborim, we remember, and we destroy them. Gvura is only a means. And then, if we think Chachma is an ends in itself, we read about Para Aduma, which Shlomo HaMelech says, Echma v'hirachoka mimeni. We have limits on all of them, on the Osher, on the Gvura, and the Chachma. If we have proper perspective on all of those three areas, that they're all means and not ends, then we could approach and have HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and have a Hizchadshus, have a HaKodesh HaZelachem, and have a proper perspective as we build up to the day when we're going to need to reenact Lirosis Atzmo, as if we went out, as if we were born again. But we have to make sure that we have the proper perspective, and this is a process that we have through the through the Dalaparshias. So we should all be Zochat to do this, and Akadosh Baruch Hu should uh, give us the proper perspective on everything that we have. Okay, Bezra, we'll continue. And again, I want to thank those who have... Uh, Visit our website, again, the OU family, the OU World Wide Web out there, that uh, the Parsha Shear family that has gone to our website, nofiyashemesh.com, and uh, in terms of helping us uh, build our, our building, which Baruch Hashem, we've already broken ground, we're in the process of, and Hashem, we're looking to build a new home in order to have the Parsha Shear radiate out again on the, uh, in the OU world. Thank everyone for, for their help, and Hashem, if anybody else wants to join, partnering with us, they can visit the website as well, nofiyashemesh.com.